0: All right, today is Sunday, May 10th. 2015 and this is episode 116 of the defensive security podcast my name is Jerry Bell and joining me tonight as always is mr. Andrew Callett.
1: good evening mr. Bell how are you sir
0: I'm doing very well and uh, since it is Mother's Day I will give a shout out to all those mothers that didn't sound right did it no um, yeah
1: word to your mother
0: okay whatever so um oh so there's another really obscure holiday coming up tomorrow by the way it is uh it it is the security tool appreciation day so
1: (laughs) oh you are in security and you are a tool so you should be appreciated
0: see that that's exactly what i was going to say is that you should go to your security department and tell them that you appreciate them
1: and then to open all the firewall rules because it's stopping traffic
0: that's right at firewalls are risky. That's true.
1: So what happened last week, dude? Where were we?
0: Uh, you know, busy. Yeah,
1: I will say it was very nice though that a number of folks reached out on Twitter and said they missed us for not publishing last week.
0: So that was kind of cool. I agree. I agree. It is. Uh, it, it's quite an experience. Uh, so we we certainly appreciate everyone who's listened to us. And uh, and bu- and by the way. Uh, An extra thank you to everyone who has donated to us on our Patreon campaign.
1: Yeah, that has blown me away how amazingly generous uh, people are in this community. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. So uh, the first order of business tonight is uh, something we've talked about the last couple of episodes, and that is the High Tech Crime Investigation Association Conference, uh, htciaconference.org. The conference runs from August 30th through September 2nd and is in Orlando, Florida. You can use a the uh, discount code Defensive Security and get a 10% discount off of the normally $750 price tag. Uh, so I am intending to uh, be there, uh, assuming all the planets align and uh, hopefully they stay aligned for me. Um, and yeah absolutely looks like a really good uh, a good conference so moving on uh this this week we actually have something a little different this is something we've not done before uh which is an interview so Mr. Khaled and I actually interviewed a gentleman who many of you probably know uh John Strand so uh so John is Part of Paul. dot coms, or actually, it's called Paul Security Weekly. Now, sorry.
1: Ooh. Get it right. We'll never get invited back if you get it wrong.
0: Totally, totally. Anyway, um, great, great guy. Uh, I've I've been a, a fanboy of John for a while. Probably as you'll be able to tell in the interview. Um, uh, he he actually did write a book. Uh, it's called Active Defense, and I I do recommend everyone. Uh, read that if, if you're at all interested in it. But um, yeah, I think this interview is is really, really topical. Uh, it has been, uh, I'll say the the active defense and hacking back concept has really been a, a, a kind of a big feature, uh, kind of maybe in, in waves, right? So it's a little bit cyclical in the news for probably about two or three years and uh, and it seems like it's back up on the upswing right now. I've seen a number of uh, of stories recently about uh about hacking back and conflating it with active defense. So, anyway, uh we will uh we'll get into our interview in just a second.
1: Yeah, so this is the first time we've ever done an interview on the show. So this is pretty different for us. Hopefully, you think we did okay? would love to hear your feedback. I will tell you that I personally am very gun-shy about doing interviews. Most folks who have asked to be on the show or the typical type of podcast interview usually is around somebody selling something. And um, we try really hard to avoid that on this show. So uh I was pretty gun shy when, when Jerry mentioned, hey, let's let's interview. But I will tell you that I'm really uh really happy that we did this conversation with John. I thought it was a great conversation. And I thought it it's definitely topical and is really more just great interesting information as opposed to something um, you know, sales related. Yeah. So
0: I, I thought it was a, it it's a concept that I think a lot of um yeah, you know, well, maybe not a lot, but at least I, previous to reading John's book and hearing some of his his speeches on the topic, hadn't really thought a ton about, and right. and so it, it's kind of a um, a different way to think about approaching defensive security, right? So that that was why I thought this this would be of r- real interest to listeners of our podcast.
1: So that being said, I don't know that we're going to do a lot of interviews, Uh, so, you know, this is not meant to say that we're suddenly going to become an interview-focused show, Uh, but, you know, if it's somebody who's got something really interesting to say,
0: maybe it'll happen from time to time. That's right. So, uh, without further ado, we will start the interview right now. All right. So joining us tonight is Mr. John Strand. Uh John is the uh I don't know if you would say the author or maintainer of the Active Defense Harbinger distribution of uh of uh active defense tools. And uh he's joining us tonight to talk about active defense and hacking back. So John, can you first give us uh just a, a bit of information about yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm currently a member of Security Weekly. Uh, even though I'm not on the show, every single Thursday I'm in charge of doing the webcast uh, for Security Weekly. I'm also an instructor with the FANS Institute. I'm lead course author of Hacker Techniques, Exploits, and Incident Handling. And I'm the owner of Black Hills Information Security. Currently a small firm that's... Right now we're about 24 employees. And we specialize in penetration testing and, of course, implementing active defense.
0: Good deal. So uh, you're you're here tonight to talk to us about... Active defense and hacking back, and you know, I. Uh, by the way, I have actually read your book, and so I'm kind of a John Strand fanboy uh, a little oh, bit. But thank you. Um, and and I do recommend everybody read the book. It's uh, it's pretty good. Um, Just to keep things
1: balanced, I've never heard of you before, John, and I can't read, so we want to keep it
0: balanced. <laughs> fair, and balanced. Fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, so. Can you give us an overview of what active defense is and and maybe some of the controversy about the hacking back?
2: You bet. So right now, if you look at what's happening um, in the industry as a whole, in in the realm of active defense and hacking back, there's currently two competing things happening. Uh, You have people that are really striving to try and find new defensive tactics. And that's really what active defense is about, is a range of options. But then you have a lot of people that are talking about hacking back, and as near as I can tell, it's because a lot of people in the media—you um, got Wired and a bunch of different articles that have been written about it. Hacking back is sexy. It's neat, right? It gets people to the website. But to be honest, for 99.9% of the organizations out there, the idea is hacking back itself is pretty darn near worthless. It doesn't provide a lot of value to the organization, and revenge is just a really bad game. But we can look at active defense where we have annoyance and attribution tactics then we can actually fundamentally improve computer security and we don't have to just play the game of just hacking back so that's what we're really all about is trying to establish a range of options for defenders
0: very good very good so uh so the you know the average listener of this podcast is is typically in a defensive role so can you can you explain a little bit about you know, how active defense works conceptually, and then maybe some uh, some detail about how you've seen it implemented and, and maybe how uh, th- your your distribution would play into that.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's back up for a couple of seconds and let's talk about the failure points in security. And you go to a lot of presentations, and you always hear people bitch about how computer security is failing. Uh, Bruce Potter at ShmooCon is one of the best people that you could ever see live talk about how security fails and I fundamentally believe the core reason why computer security is failing is all of our defensive tools and tactics are very limited and they're known and they're static. We all run roughly the exact same AV engines. We all run roughly the exact same intrusion detection systems, exact same intrusion prevention systems, firewall, data loss prevention maybe and our adversaries are usually funded well enough and they don't even have to be that funded to be able to bypass those technologies before they even enter an attack into your organization. I talk with Dave Kennedy and Kevin Johnson quite a bit. We all do pen testing. And you know, standard security technologies just don't get in the way. And we're all small boutique pen testing companies. We're not nation states. We're not organized crime. And these technologies aren't getting in the way. So active defense is about trying to inject uncertainty in the defensive tactics to increase the amount of attack time it takes for a bad guy to try to break into your system and decrease the amount of detection time and reaction time for you to react to those attacks. And, you know, I got picked go on another podcast for this. And I hate it when people quote this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sung Sun Tzu, all warfare is deception. And right now in computer security, we have very little deception on the defensive side. And if you have a static defense that's well-known, it's well-scoped out, it's very easy to bypass that defense. So we're trying to come up with solutions and annoyance and attribution and obfuscation to make it far more difficult for an attacker to attack successfully.
0: Good deal. So, so kind of make that real for us. What, give us some examples.
2: Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. So we've got a whole bunch of things. I'm really here pimping a free distribution. The Active Defense Harbinger Distribution. It's out on SourceForge. And it's a whole collection of different tools and full step-by-step instructions of how to use these tools. And we have like 24 different active defense tools on it right now. And some of my favorites would be Honey Badger. You can create a website and you can put a Java applet in it and make the website look like something like a VNC page or a firewall administration page. And when the bad guy goes to that page, they get a website. you know, oh, I'm going to hack this website or I'm going to hack this VPN. And when they run the applet, it actually geolocates where they're at within 20 meters. It's beautiful. We also have another tool that I really don't know why isn't implemented in like every firewall vendor that's out there. It's a tool called Port Spoof. And you can set up a listen a range of listening ports on your computer system. And whenever somebody tries to do service identification of those ports, it automatically goes to the Nmap fingerprints file and it just grabs a random signature of a service and throws it back. <laughs> so somebody would look at port two and it's, 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 it's an Apache web server. Nice. Um, they go to port three and it's a Polycom. <laughs> you know, it's all this mess up. And what happens is that dramatically increases the amount of time it takes for a bad guy to fingerprint your services in order to attack them. And the more time they spend fumbling around trying to figure out what's going on, the more opportunity you have to detect them.
1: So, John, on, on your first example, and by the way, I love that that second example, too. Um, I'm guessing also the concept would be you would stand up this web server uh, in, in a part of the network, with the intention that it would never actually be touched by anything legitimate, and the only reason somebody would touch it is if they're probing uh, and looking to to attack. Is is that an accurate sort of that's, summation? That's an
2: accurate. That's an accurate statement. Okay. And you can also put it on your existing web infrastructure. Okay. You can put a robots.txt entry in, and you can say mm-hmm. disallow, no index, no follow. The admin directory, right. and that's the first place a bad guy is going to go. They go there, they see that, they run it. You know where
1: they're at. Gotcha. I like it.
0: Interesting. So, so, I, I assume this is a, you know this is a, a I guess a developing area of information security. How how have you seen organizations implementing this kind of thing? And where you know where where typically is it? Is it a is it usually a one off kind of a project? Are you seeing this becoming kind of a mainstream element? Um, you know are they are, are they typically Internally focused? Or are they putting these things out on the edge? What What are you seeing?
2: So, what we're seeing now, and this is some stuff that I'm pretty excited about, is we're starting to see some mainstream commercial products that are implementing these techniques. For example, Juniper Mykonos. Um they have something that we they have some things that we've implemented for free in ADHD, but it's a beautiful kind of front end around it, much better intelligence around it. it it's just fantastic, and that's beautiful. And what it is is it's obfuscation of web services. Uh, hmm. Basically, a bad guy would never be able to fully identify all of your web services, and that's great. And we're seeing a lot of organizations that are using ADHD and coming to us and we're doing consulting in the finance area. We're seeing companies in media. We're seeing companies associated with United States – or not companies, but organizations with the United States government classified in military. And we spend a lot of time basically just educating, showing them how to use the different tools. And then they go off and they use them and they come back and they ask some questions about how to tweak it and we work with them. For example, we had one customer, he talked about Honey Badger. And they said, you know, Honey Badger in a fake Java, or it's a real Java applet, but it looks like it's DMC, that's kind of neat. But what would be cooler is if you could merge Honey Badger into an existing jar file. And we came up with a tool called Jar Combiner that inserts Honey Badger as like a Trojan into your existing Java applet that you're using legitimately. So we take that feedback, and we feed it back into the distribution, and we release it publicly. So we're seeing people in all walks of life doing it. In fact, last year, the class was the uh, number one selling class at Black Hat by a live manager. Wow. We
1: so had who 89 is... students. Wow, that's awesome. Um, probably a tough class to run, but... Awesome to see the interest. Uh, speaking of sort of like, you know, within an organization that's sort of implementing this, uh, what part of the IT organization do you usually see sort of embracing this running? Is it like usually instant response team? Is it, you know, uh, is it, is it the, the general security infrastructure team? Who, who do you think typically is the right focus to start setting up and playing with this stuff in a, in a larger security organization? The
2: core groups that we're seeing are security teams. Um, mm-hmm. security teams, whether it's security operations or it's the incident response team, many times those lines aren't very clear. Many times sure. people blur across many halves. And people are just sick and tired of getting their butts kicked all the yeah. time. And in security, that's our job. You know, we're a job where we are guaranteed to fail. I honestly don't know why anybody would want to go into this industry if they weren't completely half crazy. Because you're going to fail and you're going to get blamed for it. And you're going to have to clean up the mess. And people are sick of that. And they want to start turning the tables on attackers, and they really, really want to get to the point where defense is fun again. And that's what active defense is all about. You get to do all the stuff that you thought you were going to do when you got into computer security that you just generally don't get the opportunity to do.
1: Nice. So one thing that that I've heard people talk about, you know, is is let's say you've got some sort of you know, you got a bunch of social security numbers just as a as a you know standard data set. Um, would this also apply to like having like a honey record in your database that somebody should never actually touch? And if they are, you know, it starts setting off alarms. Is that, is that kind of also what we're talking about?
2: Yep. Yeah. In fact, we actually cover that in a class that we've written for SANS that's active
0: yeah.
2: um, it's a, I think it's 550 or something like that. I don't know what their are numbers yet. It hasn't been released. But, mm-hmm. but the point is we have a section in it, and that's what we did at Black Hat. And we talk about it in the VM that's free where you can set up honey tables, <laughs> where if somebody pulls down a table, you can have triggers that notify you. Um, nice. We also have honey, honey documents, or Marcus Carey calls them uh, honey docs. And it's a document that if somebody steals the document when they open it, it beacons back, regardless as to whether or not it's Microsoft Word or Microsoft Word on Mac or Obby Word or TextEdit or OpenOffice or LibreOffice, that document beacons back you can get attribution if someone stole the document that's interesting. You know, something like passwords.doc. Doc. They steal right. it, they open it, and it beacons back.
1: Wow. So uh, for companies, if you can share this, that have deployed this kind of technology, how often do they catch just curious insiders that aren't necessarily malicious as opposed to definite malicious intent? A lot. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but even at that, that's more visibility into your network oh, yeah. than, than, than you had before. But where we see a lot of companies using just the example of the documents is incident response. Let's just use Sony as an example. Sony mm-hmm. didn't do this, but we'll use them as an example. The Sony breach occurs, and the attacker is stealing all of the, quote-unquote, interesting files, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have an incident, no systems compromised, put one of these honey documents on the desktop, call it passwords.doc or social security numbers.doc, whatever. And the bad guy takes it and then opens it, and you have a much higher level of attribution on where that bad guy is then you would have normally just try and find the command and control server
0: and I'm guessing in the case of Sony, you would have gotten gotten a lot of pingbacks <laughs> eventually
2: well, <laughs> you know and all of this settled up over was it North Korea, was it not North Korea was it a conspiracy by the n s a It would be huh. nice if you get to the point where we don't have that, that level of arguments and and kind of blind discussion about what happened
0: right, I agree so so it was something Andy said that just uh. Kind of uh, jog my my thinking a little bit. Do you do you often see this kind of technique being leveraged as a as a way to detect insider malicious insiders? I know you you had Andy you had mentioned actually the
2: first time I the first time I ever used like the word documents we're kind of stuck on this one. There's a lot more to it, but this is an interesting one. Was actually detecting users that were taking documents outside of a secure facility they were working on a skiff on, on a sapsar program a special access program and mm-hmm. it was air gap and they were afraid that people were taking things home and working on them and sure enough there were people that were taking word documents home when we were able to identify it because these word documents started beaconing back and then you can get a warrant work with the fbi and actually locate where that ip address is directly
0: wow nice
1: it- is there a certain sort of maturity level that, that you would look for in an organization before they started playing with these techniques, or do you think it applies yeah. to most?
2: Well, that's one of the things um, in the book we talk about. Yeah. We talk about it in the class. We talk about it anytime time we present. Try to get your houses in order as you possibly can before you try to implement this stuff. I'm not going to yeah. lie. This is, this is an advanced tactic. If you're trying to be all crafty and clever about your defense and you have default passwords at the edge of your network, this isn't going to help you. I'm sorry it's just not Um, so get those things in order first but you know we're starting to see a lot of organizations that are getting very mature in the security posture and they're still getting compromised and they're very frustrated we talk to a lot of customers and you know the security weekly team Larry and myself and a lot of the customers are like we were doing everything right we're following all these compliance standards and we're Mm -hmm. still getting compromised those are the types of people that it's time to start implementing these types of tactics
0: Interesting. Makes sense. So do you, do you see many organizations have a philosophical problem with the, the, these kinds of tactics, which, you know, I, I, I'm not saying they're unethical or, but they're, but they certainly, as you, as you described it, involve some deception and, you know, typically information security is viewed as, you know, this uh, really virgin pure water and, and this is a very different take on that.
1: Clearly, they don't go to our cons.
0: True. That's true.
2: True. (laughs) True. So most of the fear around this is because it's been so tainted by people referring to it as hacking back.
0: Mm.
2: And one of the huge things that we've been working on is trying to take ownership of the phrase active defense, shepherding it. And we're not going to we're not going to trademark it. I hate that, like, you know. Cyber kill chain, trademark. That's horrible. Um, (laughs) Don't do that. And companies trying to take ownership of uh, APT, trademark. That's horrible. Don't do that. That's just not cool. But the biggest reason why we've been doing that is we're trying to make the conversation a conversation about active defense, not about hacking back. So when we look at at active defense, it's a range of options that go from annoyance to attribution to including hacking back with a full warrant. But with the annoyance things, it's basically creating things like infinitely recursive web directories, so web crawlers never finish, using honey ports on your system that only trigger with a full established TCP connection, using things like port spoof to create a really heavy obfuscation layer for port scanning. None of these things are illegal. You're basically just kind of making your network a shifting network, a harder network. So that's step one, and that's the majority of what we're looking at in the tool. Step two is attribution something like a Word document that calls back. You know what? Every time you start Word, it calls back to Microsoft. Um, you have PDFs with embedded images within them. You have all of these technologies that call back all the time and use the quote Internet of Things. And we're basically <laughs> doing a lot of those same types of things, even down to HoneyBadger. If you look at HoneyBadger and the ability to geolocate a bad guy, what we're doing is we're hooking into Google's geolocation database for wireless access points. So we're really not doing anything that your phone isn't doing right now. And I think that that's something that resonates with attorneys. It's something that resonates with – if you're going to a judge and somebody's like, that's illegal. It's like, Your Honor, do you have an Android phone? Yes. It's doing this exact same thing. Okay. Um, And we're trying to create it so it's an easier barrier of entry for people to step into it. And they're not stepping straight into hacking back and, and all of that kind of nasty business of revenge.
1: Right. Is there, is there a concern once these techniques uh, could potentially become pervasive that it sounds at first blush that even if a bad guy had the wherewithal to consider these techniques being present, it doesn't sound like this diminishes their capability. Is that is that something that, that you guys have uh, kind of talked through of, of what – You know, assuming like you said earlier, hey, the bad guys know what our static defenses are. So let's say they assume, all right, this company may have active defense. It sounds like it wouldn't matter if they can assume that or not based on what you're saying.
2: Yeah, they're going to fall into those holes. They're going to fall into those traps. So the only way that you know the trap is there is by stepping into it. And by the Mm -hmm. time you stepped into it, it's too late. And that's really what we're trying to do is establish good tripwires across an environment that a bad guy shouldn't go into. For example, um, let's just use like, DNS entries. You can create DNS entries, fake DNS entries. Let's say you have 1,000 IP addresses that you have in your allocated space, and you're only using 200 of them. Well, use that other 800 and create a whole bunch of fake DNS entries for the rest of that 800. So when the bad guy is trying to like, attack your network, you can be like mainframe.company.com. If I'm an attacker, man, that's interesting to me. If they start making calls for that, well, then I know that something's up. No one should ever make that call, ever, under any circumstances. And it really goes back to, you know, that that idea of obfuscation or cyber deception, And, you know, all warfare is deception and bringing deception to the table. But these things only work. They only work if you're listening and you're watching. If you're just turning these things on and walking away from them, it's not going to matter. You need to still have these things feeding into your sims. You're still going to have to get alerting and notification about them. So it's all about the detection time plus reaction time it must be less than the amount of time it takes to attack a network. So we're trying to greatly increase the attack time and decrease the detection time.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One one thing that we lament a lot on this show is that a lot of security organizations are chasing, in essence, help desk ticket queues, and they're very, very, very reactionary to whatever sort of blinky boxes they have in their environment. And and one mm-hmm. thing that that we like to say is, hey, if you really want to get into deeper security thought process, you've got to free some folks up to get out of that reactionary firefighting mode and let them really think through full process, full business process, full architecture, full risk. And this sounds like something like that. They've got to think through these things to be able to implement them well and effectively and then be able to monitor them. Is that is that a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement,
2: but I, yeah. I think – I think the problem is bigger than just you know people not thinking things through. Yeah. I think that they haven't been equipped properly with the right, right with the right tools. Mm. So let, let's just use an example. We go back five six years ago, and somebody's getting involved in security. They go to RSA. God help them. <laughs> and they say, "What am I going to do to secure my network?" You would have everybody saying you need IDS, IPS, firewall, AV. Right. Those are the tools that you have. Today, <laughs> if you ask the same question you would get the exact same answer. They might throw in some DLP or something like that as well. But these are the tools that we've been given. And you know, the whole analogy, if you have a hammer, and that's all that you have, the whole world is a nail, and we've been given this set of tools, and we keep on using this exact same set of tools, and that has severely slanted our thinking about how we approach the problem. Whereas if you're an attacker, boy, you're really creative, right? You know, you look at things like group policy preference files. What kind of crazy pen tester came up with that? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just brilliant, right? you're completely unbound and you're free to think about all kinds of crazy things and if you're a defender you watch the blinky lights and you wait for one to turn red and then you react yeah and what we need to do is we need to start freeing the way we think and i know it's getting really hippie-ish right but we need to start freeing the way we think and the first thing we can do is start giving people new tool sets and that's what adhd is all about and our goal is and people use it and, more importantly, come back to us and they say, you know, it would be really cool if you had this tool. For example, sure. we had a company that, uh, that processed credit cards. And they said what you really need to do is you need to create a tool that injects a credit card or a series of credit cards in memory, real ones. Like American Express, or I think they're called Bluebird cards.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then with the Bluebird cards, if anybody uses that credit card number, it automatically generates an email alert to you telling you that that card has been used. So you inject the credit cards in memory, and then you have a script that's checking the email regularly. And as soon as it gets an email on a trigger, you know that somebody scraped the RAM on your system and they're using those credit cards. That's awesome. Um, but yeah. we've got to kind of break out, and that's what Active Defense is about. It's about trying to find new solutions to defense rather than just playing with the exact same box of tools that we've been told.
1: I like it that that's awesome yeah you you touched on something we we kind of harp on all the time here, which is the vendors are the ones who are teaching the new security guys what to do, and the defend and the the vendors define the problem space as the problem they can solve with their tool, not the holistic <laughs> enterprise problem
2: it's like a snake eating its own tail, yeah.
1: right yeah exactly cool. um so, I, I,
2: you know and I honestly, I can't blame the vendors too much, I mean, I'd like to rip on vendors all day but the vendors are selling the things that we ask for. Yeah. And the things we buy. And that's a problem.
1: Yeah, no, I spent many years at vendors. I I you know, they're doing what they need to do to be successful in their world. Um, but it, it I think it it it's good to point out to people that it gives you a, a shaded view of reality if that's all you're talking to. So
0: but, so, so let me ask you another question. You know, threat intelligence right now is the the, the big you know all the rage maybe maybe i'm I'm even late to the party, right but it, it seems to me like this concept gives the ability for an organization to kind of come up with their own um, kind of personalized threat intelligence feed have you Have you seen that kind of use case?
2: So yes, we have, but um, let me back up so there's a very large uh, manufacturer of electronic supplies that is using um, artillery by Dave Kennedy and the fine crew at TrustedSec. And they use it to automatically update and feed their block list on their routers and their firewalls. And they say that just by doing that, they drop the total amount of attack traffic that they have to sift through by something like 40%. That's real-time threat intelligence, right? That's cool. But more importantly, and I I know I'm going to make some people mad, but what the heck, right? I think threat intelligence is crap, by and large. And the reason why I think it's crap by and large, is a lot of the threat intelligence feeds that you get on. They talk about an attack that happened last week. Yep. Oh, I, I, I've got like nine, ten, ten testers. The attack that I'm using today is not the attack I'm using tomorrow. It's always dynamic. It's always modifying. It's always changing. And it's like we're looking backwards, hoping to predict the future in a highly dynamic field. Now, there are threat intelligence groups out there that are, that are really great. They tend not to be the commercial ones. They tend not to be the ones that you can sign up for, but they tend to be very tight-knit communities of, like, people in the financial sector or people in DOD, and it tends to be very ad hoc. It's a very family feel to it. Those are fantastic. But a lot of these threat intelligence services, I just do are complete crap because they're giving you things that are, like, two to three days or a week or two weeks out of date. And more importantly, with our customers and the people that we work with, I ask them, hey, is threat intelligence giving you actionable intelligence, things that you're actually doing? And they're like, well, no. More people will seem to be buying threat intelligence just from the perspective of being part of a club that seems to be somewhat exclusive that you have to pay into than actually getting something useful out of it. Now, whenever I'm looking at threat intelligence as it relates to active defense, yeah, if you have a bad guy who's stumbling around the minefield in your organization, you can actually ascertain the overall skill of that attacker fairly quickly What <laughs> <laughs> they're falling into. And, and that's important. So I think that it's more real-time threat intelligence. But uh, I'm sorry if, I'm, if I made some people mad in the industry about you know threat intelligence. But before you get all bent out of shape and start throwing emails at me, I want you to remember <laughs> one thing: you're wrong. And we <laughs> can't we can't be looking backwards. That's one of the big things that we're doing. And the closer we can get to more real-time threat intelligence tailored for the organizations, the better. The more your threat intelligence feeds are generalized across hundreds of thousands of customers. The more worthless it's going to be. Sorry, I went on a rant there.
1: No, I don't think you'll get any argument from our side. I like to liken liken the current threat intel feeds as the twenty you know, 10s version of an AV dat file. You're waiting for somebody else yeah. to get popped by it and then get reported, <laughs> get normalized, and sent to you. And by then, yeah. it doesn't matter. And it works
2: so well for us with the dat files and AV updates. Yeah, I mean, exactly. we've been doing threat intelligence for 15 years. IDS signatures, ITF signatures, AV signatures. Crap. Uh, indicators of a compromise. I mean, yeah, we've been playing this game. Just keep on rehashing the same crap and selling it to us. See, that's what we've got to get away from.
1: I concur
0: nice well John I know uh I know we're we're short on time, and i I certainly appreciate you coming on our show and uh hopefully i, our... I, I do oh, have oh a go quick, ahead go ahead quick wrap up question yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah if you could tell us, John, if people wanted to help this project or contribute or add ideas or anything like that, is there kind of like a centralized source of knowledge and and yeah. a place for people to go and find out more about about this project?
2: Yep, absolutely. It's the Active Defense Harbinger Distribution. It's out on SourceForge. You can upload issues, you can upload ideas. You have our mailing list so you can send it to all the devs, um, like Ethan Robish and Benjamin Donnelly. Um, Tim Holmes, our Landmaster 53, is a huge contributor of it. We need those ideas. So go there, check it out, get in contact with us, try it, use it, you're gonna love it. It has full step-by-step instructions for all of the tools that you can literally copy and paste. It's not like a colleague where it's like, hey, here's a bunch of tools, it's awesome. And you're like, well, how do I use them? Read the man pages. It's more about making this as accessible and easy as possible.
1: I love it. So I'm hoping that the ADHD was intentional.
2: It was, that, actually.
1: And then I'm hoping <laughs> that the bad guys someday try to come up with a counter to it and they call it Ridlin. I think that would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> <Awesome>. Very cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, well, John. Any uh, any, any closing uh, thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with?
2: No, but you guys just keep doing what you're doing. Um, we, we all love love your podcast at Security Weekly. You guys rock. Uh, just go go forth and do great things.
0: All right, thank uh-huh. you very much, John.
1: Thanks, man. Really appreciate that.
0: It's been uh, been great talking to you, and uh, hopefully we get to talk again soon. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks all right so uh so yeah there there was the interview hopefully so what do you think about that Mr Bell? I thought it was i thought it was really, really good um you know i clearly I'm certainly not uh very versed in performing interviews, so um you know, uh, ditto <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know we we mustered through it, and hopefully everybody found uh the topic useful
1: our, our available time went very fast, there was so much more I wanted to
0: get into. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, we just hinted at the topic of hacking back and, and never really got a chance to engage in it, and I, you know, would love to maybe have a part two where we start talking about that, because I definitely have some strong strong opinions on that topic that didn't really come up.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it, just kind of uh, dwelling on that a little bit. Then it came up in, in the discussion, which is, you know, again, there's a lot of debate about hacking back, and unfortunately... Uh, that there's quite a lot of, um, e- you know, equating active, de- the active defense idea with hacking back. And really that that's not necessarily intended to be the case. And, and so when, uh, I, I think when a lot of organizations or-, or security people talk about active defense, it conjures up those debates and, you know, you, th- you start thinking about, Oh, you know, the attribution angle, right? So if you s- you know you you have uh you have somebody attacking you and you start attacking back you know in all likelihood you're not attacking who you think you are you're probably attacking the owner of a compromised server somewhere a compromised workstation somewhere uh, whereas I think the act the active defense concept skirts around some of those complexities because you're you know you're effectively leveraging the activities of the adversary, you know, they're, they're actually uh, pulling down the, the doc, you know, the, the tag documents or or what have you through, through whatever, uh, whatever channels they've established. So it's an, you know, an interesting idea. Uh, I do think it's also important to, to realize that this concept really makes the most sense after you've got your house in order. You know, this isn't, Sure. If you're not if you're not patching your systems, it's probably this is probably not the area you want to be investing. So, anyhow, I thought it was a good discussion.
1: Yeah, I really really appreciate John being on the show, and uh, hopefully our listeners found some value out of it. And we'd love to hear your thoughts—good, bad, indifferent—you know—give us some feedback.
0: Yeah, send us an email to info at defensivesecurity dot org, and I would like to uh, to echo. Uh, your your comment and, and say thank you to John for spending some time with us. That was, uh, I thought it was good. Uh, anyhow, we, uh, I think we will be back next week with a normal episode. And, uh, you know, again, sorry for missing last week. Uh, you know, that sometimes life gets in the way. Before we go, I'd like to mention that one of my Twitter friends, Ms. Bat will be hosting a class called leading leaders and Dodging Dysfunction at Circle CityCon coming up on June 12th through June 14th. Ms. Bat's class is focused on helping really smart people figure out how to work together with other really smart people, apparently by playing with Legos. So, sounds like a lot of fun if you are able to go to Cir- Circle City Con, uh, which I unfortunately cannot. I highly recommend you uh, you do that. CircleCityCon.com is their website. And if you use the discount code Indie50, you can save $50 off the ticket price. One other item of note is that Hack in the Box Amsterdam is happening this month from May 26th through May 29th at the Boers van Berlage building in the center of Amsterdam. Boy, I'm am sure I slaughtered that. Uh registration is open and you get a 10% discount if you use the discount code defensivesec. A link to the website that contains their training schedule and conference agenda can be found in the show notes. By the way, this conference runs alongside another conference called Hackspo, which is a three-day free technology expo where hackers, makers, and businesses, and startups meet. It definitely looks like a good conference. There's uh, Capture the Flag, a lockpick village, a soldering village. That's a new one for me. A Random Hacks of Kindness Hackathon, and uh, uh, just a reminder that access to the Hackspo is free. Um, and for the Hack in the Box conference, you can get a ten percent discount again by using the discount code DefensiveSec when you register. All right. So, uh, anyhow, if you enjoy the show, give us a good rating on iTunes. We would definitely appreciate that. That helps us uh, helps us bump up in the ratings. Uh, if you do want to support the show, you can you can donate on our Patreon campaign at Patreon.com/DefensiveSec. You can uh, find show notes and links to all uh, all the stories that we normally would talk about uh, at our website www.defensivesecurity.org and I'll actually put a link to uh, to John's book because I do think it's it's worth reading uh, and and um, yeah definitely consider <laughs> consider reading it you can follow Mr. Callet on Twitter at lurk you can follow me on Twitter at malicious link and uh, with that we will talk again next week
1: Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Take care.
0: <laughs> what a fucking train wreck that is. It just keeps going on and on and on. I don't know. Maybe you're just not funny. <sighs> well, you're funny looking. That's true. That's why I have a podcast and not a TV show. <laughs>
2: Sometimes I'm like, call me Elmo. You pull the string and I take it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well... As we learn
1: from The Incredibles, we gotta let you monologue. That's how we know what your evil plan is. <laughs> oh, my evil plan Oh, man. Okay, fair enough.
0: God, I don't have anything to write with.
1: Well, that seems like a challenge.
0: Son of a. Bitch. All right.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad you're so well prepared for our
0: production. Oh, whatever. Like, you would do any better.
1: I, I would pop up. Where's a your pencil? And-